phenomenal, man. I just, I got to give testimony, even for this last Sunday, as I said, was Pentecost Sunday, and the Lord was here. Uh, the Lord is always here, but there's something about when he gives his manifest presence, he makes himself known. Maybe that's, get rid of those big words. There's something about when God makes himself known, right? He's omnipresent. He's a God that's everywhere. You can never leave his presence. And yet there's times when he makes his presence known. Or there's times where, like Jacob, you come into a season of life where everything builds up to a moment. And Jacob at Bethel, the house of the Lord, he says, oh my goodness, the Lord is in this place. He finally came to a record. It wasn't just that God showed up. It was finally that Jacob showed up to worship God. Jacob finally showed up to say, I can't do it in my strength any longer and I need God's help. Then he encountered the presence of God in that crying out for God. Hmm, can I, man, I got lots of things already running through my mind, but can I just speak to this word encounter? I I just said it a couple times right now. I, I, I caught Pastor Nick saying it during worship. Sometimes we say things and it might have different meanings as we say that. And I grew up in church, so I got a lot of church ease or Christian ease in my mind that I understand. But when I say it, other people are like, what are you talking about? Um, and so encounter for me is just exactly if you took it out of the church context. I encountered some people in this room for the very first time. There's some people that are visiting from YWAM. I shook their hands for the very first time. That was an encounter. Never met them before in my life. I met them. That's an encounter. There's some other people in this room that I haven't seen in months, and I gave a hug. That was an encounter. There's a different level of relationship with those different people, but they still were encounters nonetheless, right? There's, there's things where, um, huh, this thought came to my mind. Hopefully, it doesn't go too sideways. The way I encounter my wife is different than how I encounter anyone else in this room. And yet there's things how I encounter her where I say things, I just have a normal, common conversation with her like I'd have with you. And I would say they're both the same encounters. But at some point, I want an intimate encounter with my wife. That's what I'm saying, don't get too far, right? We're in church, stay at church. But I want intimacy. There's something about me that longs for a deepness of relationship. There's something about with the Lord, I don't want to just meet him from a distance and say, thanks God, That's good. I want to keep that going. But at some point, I long for a deeper encounter with the Lord. And that's what I feel like just needs to be explained when we say encounter. I want it all. It's not like I just want these deep, intimate encounters and I'm never going to wave hi to God. What if I never had common conversational encounters with my wife? What if I went a whole month without ever having a conversation with her? Would I ever have a deep, intimate encounter with her? It's not going to happen. I've got to have the routinely encounters with her. And I feel like that's part of what the Lord is saying here today during this worship. There was an encounter with the presence of God this morning. There might have been different levels of encountering. Oh, man, okay, I, I don't know if I'm going to even get to my sermon this morning. Here we go. Um, <laughs> this last Sunday was Pentecost Sunday, and there was so much prayer for me that it would be a genuine deep encounter with the Lord. And there were several people here, I'll just give you a testimony, praise report. There were several people here that were filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time or received a prayer language. We had someone that was physically healed in the room. They had pain and the pain left their bodies. We prayed for them. So there was things where the Lord was in this place and the gifts and things were moving in this place and it was incredible. 
and I don't want to go explain everything, but there are people even that were, I'll say this, this is again one of those Christianese words, they were slain in the spirit or they encountered the presence of God in such a powerful way that they fell over in the presence of God. And they were on the ground having this great love dialogue where they can't even explain it because it was deep, as deep cries out to deep, scripture says. There's something deep in our souls that longs to commune with God and I can't even express all what's going on. It's not just here in the mind, it's in our hearts and our souls. And, and I wanna speak that for a second. I feel like, and I could be wrong, but I feel like this is somewhat the leading of the Holy Spirit as the pastor of this church. There's some shepherding that I wanna speak to right now. There's some of this in this room that you're like me in two different ways. You have been like me where I've been in a room where a lot of people were having a deep encounter with the Lord. They were having this great encounter with God and it, it was showing up externally. Like you could see them dancing or laying prostrate or weeping or laughing in the spirit. I mean, they were demonstrating the, the encounter they were having with God. And it was a lot of people in the room. And I was one of those people that in all honesty, I wasn't really feeling the presence of God. I wasn't, I wasn't having this great encounter that was very emotional or demonstrative or expressive. But I, at the same time, I could, I could sense and discern God's presence was in the room and moving on people's lives. And so I still was engaged, still praying and still worshiping God. But for me, I wasn't having what most people in the room were having. And in that moment, this brain, this flesh, had all kinds of thoughts and feelings and ideas where, oh, I must not be as spiritual as the other people in the room. I must not be as in tune with the Holy Spirit. I must have something wrong with me. And there was some shame or guilt, or there was things that people must be looking at me. I'm the pastor, and I'm not demonstrating a great encounter with God. I, all these thoughts, fear of man, all these things are encountered. I'm like, oh, I'm wrestling all this, and I'm still trying to worship God. And I, I'm, I'm thankful that everyone else has an encounter with the Lord. But for me, it's not very... Am I the only one in the room that's ever been in that situation? Okay, so I just want to speak to that. There is no shame. There is no guilt. There is no condemnation for feeling that way. But I hope we don't judge someone else who is having a great encounter with the Lord. Because I'll tell you, I'm also one of those people where I've been in a room where I just was overcome with the presence of God. And I looked around and most people, I couldn't see it on their faces. I couldn't see it in the room. But man, I was a mess. And I was demonstrating this incredible encounter with God. And I felt the same thing I felt when everyone else, I felt shame again. Oh no, they think I'm trying to conjure something up. Or they think I'm strange. Or they think I'm weird. And so I'm trying to like hold things in. And I've been the one in the room where I'm having a great encounter with the Lord. And I'm still wrestling with a fear of man. And I'm still thinking shame and guilt. Oh, when I left that Sunday, people are thinking I'm crazy. People are thinking, oh, he's lost his marbles. Like, I've been on both sides. And I just want to say as a pastor, can I say, if you feel either one of those, you are loved and you are not judged in this place. This is the house of the Lord and he encounters us in different ways, in different levels. Read the gospel, read scriptures. Oh man, I don't even want to preach all of it this morning. But... Corinthians chapter 12, where it talks about all the gifts of the Spirit, that chapter is not just about the gifts of the Spirit. He's talking about how there's a diversity of everything. He talks about how we are the body of Christ and we all have different parts, different functions, different roles. There's something about when the Holy Spirit encounters you, it's going to look different than it looks for me. 
And that's okay. And I want that to be okay in this space. That there is an atmosphere where we do not judge on either side. Where that fear of man is broken. Can I say a religious spirit no longer confines us? I don't ever want to be guilty to manipulate something. To conjure up, to say that, oh, if I just do this, if I physically do this, or I tell people to shout Jesus, or I, you know, I do something, then I'll get the presence of God to be real in the place. I can't conjure up the presence of God. At the same time, I bear responsibility to invite the presence of God and to become more aware of him. I wish I could explain it better than that. Can I be really candid with you? I think I pretty much am all the time, right? I'm pretty transparent. I'm not a very secretive person. I've grown up in this church for 30 some odd years. This is considered a Pentecostal, charismatic, believing in all the gifts church. I've been the pastor for nine years. In this sanctuary, I have never been officially slain in the spirit or fallen all the way to the ground under the power of God. I don't say that with pride because I'm so great. I say that I'm just trying to make myself real and I'm with you in all of this. I am still learning. I am still encountering the presence of God and learning how to steward his presence. And at the same time, I'm called to shepherd. So it's not that I have everything together and let me tell you how how it is. I'm on a journey. I'm in a relationship with God and I pray that in some way I'm able to lead you. I believe God has called me to be a pastor, but I pray more than anything that I'm not someone who just teaches and tells you how things are, but that I love you well, that I bring you in on what I have. So when I'm encountering God, there is, as a pastor's heart, I want you in on it. Not because, oh, you're not demonstrating it and you need to get with the program. That is never a thought or an attitude in this heart. If I were to be honest... My discerning, and I could be wrong, but this, I'm just trying to give you where I'm at. My discerning is probably most people in this room, you have a desire for more of God. But if you're real and honest with yourself, there still are some questions. Or if you're just being a hunter, searching your heart, there is some fears. And can I be honest with you? I'm the pastor of this church and I'm still working through some of those fears. I love that 1 Corinthians 12, where it talks about all the gifts of the Spirit, and then read chapter 14, 1 Corinthians 14. It talks about how to have the order of service and how to use the gifts of the Spirit. And it's, it's this great, Paul lays things out for us, or the church, how we use these things. But what's in between chapter 12 and 14? Very easy. 13, right? The love chapter. And it's not an isolated, oh, let me just put something about love that we can talk about weddings in there. They're all connected. Right? He's saying, if you have the gifts of the Spirit, but you don't have love, then you've missed the whole thing. But at the same time, if all you want to do is love somebody, and you never want to use the gifts of the Spirit, you never want to speak truth into their life, you're missing it as well. If all I, I have four kids, so they get used in my sermon examples all the time. If my kids, all my desire was, was for them to like me, I would be a very bad dad. But if I never had a desire for them to like me and all I wanted to do was correct them all the time, I'd be a very bad dad. There needs to be both. 
I need to know, they need to know that they are affirmed, that they're loved no matter what they accomplish or don't accomplish. They are just loved because they're my kids. And at the same time, when they're not exhibiting Jesus Christ in their life, I am going to tell them, hey, you are wrong. This needs to get fixed because that is the loving thing to do. So this is not a, I hope as I'm sharing this morning, this is not a pastoral rebuke. This is I'm with you. And as a shepherd, I want us all in on this. All right, so I have lots of verses, lots of things. I'm gonna, probably one of the last verses. I don't even know, let me find it in here somewhere. Um, in Matthew, chapter 13, starting in verse 53, it says this. When Jesus had finished telling the, these, uh, okay, let's start over. Matthew 15, 53. When Jesus had finished telling these stories and illustrations, he left that part of the country. He returned to Nazareth, his hometown. When he taught there in the synagogues, everyone was amazed and said, where does he get this wisdom and the power to do miracles? We'll stop there. I love this portion. There's a bigger context we'll get to in a second, but I love just these two verses. It says that first Jesus was illustrating and telling stories and parables. Go back and read the previous verses. Actually read the whole chapter. We're in verse 53, right? Read verse one all the way to 53. Jesus is giving tons of parables, stories, where is he doing this? Outside the church, in the marketplace, in homes, in real life, where we live most of our lives. Jesus was out ministering to people who weren't in church, who didn't know how to read, who didn't know the scriptures. And he's saying, let me tell you what the kingdom of God is like. It's like, and he would tell a parable. He was trying to relate to people where they were at and he would give stories and illustrations. I love that. Then it says, he went into the synagogues and he taught the word of God. And then it says, he performed powerful miracles. So Jesus' ministry was all about miracles. No. Jesus' ministry is all about teaching the word of God. No. Jesus' ministry is all about reaching the lost. It's all these things together. And that is what God wants to do with this church and the church. So I hope I'm speaking to someone in this room that if there's a fear that we're just going after the miracles and we just want the demonstration of the power of God and that's all we're doing and, and we're leaving everything else, that's not the truth. I want it all. I don't want to be a church that all we do is pray for missionaries, which we do a great job and send all of our money to missionaries. I want to keep doing that. But if that's all we do, then we're missing it. I don't want to be a church that all we do is preach God's word and we actually never reach the lost and we actually never do use the gifts of the spirit find out how we get connected in the body of Christ. It's all these things together. Maybe not comforting for you. It's kind of one of those things, I, I, I'm probably a bad reference. Anyone have heard the reference, a backhanded comment, a backha backhanded compliment. Like, like it's a compliment, but it kind of is not really because it like slapped me in my face. It's kind of that same category when I read the next two verses. So Matthew chapter 13, verse 55. Then they scoffed. He's just the carpenter's son. And we know Mary, his mother, and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. All his sisters live right here among us. Where did he learn all these things? And they were deeply offended and refused to believe in him. I say that it's an encouragement and also a word of wisdom and caution for me. If I want to do what Jesus does, 
I want to do the miracles and I want to teach his word and I want to reach the lost. At some point, these people that saw Jesus do all three of those things said they refused to believe in him. And I thought about that. Jesus loved the lost more than I will ever love the lost. Jesus taught scripture better than I will ever teach scripture. And Jesus did miracles better than I ever will do. And yet people still were offended at him and refused to believe him. So like I said, it's an encouragement knowing that if I get people offended, I'm not, in, I'm not alone. At the same time, knowing that my pastor's heart, I want everyone in the world to like me and to follow me and trust me, and that's not gonna happen. If Jesus perfectly did these things and offended people, then I'm guaranteed to offend some people. I don't want to. I will do everything in my power not to offend you, to love on you well, but I wanna be a good pastor. And I wanna take us where the Lord is leading us. He is the good shepherd. I'm a shepherd, he's the good shepherd. And I'm gonna take him wherever he leads. I want to be led by the spirit of God. And so with that means there's gonna be times where, can I say it this way? Because I said it to my kid yesterday and someone else this morning. If you're following God, you're gonna have to do things you don't wanna do. And you don't get to do things you want to do. That is the nature of following Jesus. I hate, because I, I really, in trepidation, I'm saying this. There has to be a trust level that God has placed me as the pastor of this church and that if as long as I'm in tune with him, he, through me, will not lead us in a wrong place. If I'm listening to the Holy Spirit, we are golden. If I start doing my own thing, yeah, we're, we're doomed. But I hope there's a trust level that's been going on for the last nine years, or maybe you just started joining the church and I want to earn your trust. I want to be someone who's like you. I'm not better than you. It's like on the Pentecost, I just wanna be very clear. If you receive a gift of the Holy Spirit, like speaking in tongues or whatever it might be, it means you are no more mature or better than someone who doesn't have that gift because you didn't earn it to begin with. It was a free gift that you just received. The gift of the Holy Spirit, the moment you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you are no more mature than you were the moment before. However, you are now equipped to rapidly mature yourself. Okay, really quick, sorry. I hope these aren't all rabbit trails. I hope they're being led by the Spirit here. I just was reminded that my kids are starting sports and football and weight training and all that stuff. And I was reminded when I was in high school, there was a guy that was twice my size and he had never played sports. I think it was like our junior year in high school. Never played any sports, wasn't coordinated, didn't really, but he was big, big dude. And so we had to go to weight training. I remember when he sat down to bench press, when he sat down, when he got that weight on his shoulder, he went to go squat. I was like, wait, what? He couldn't do anything. Like barely, you put like just the bar by itself and he was struggling to do the bar. I'm like, this guy's twice my size. Like what's going on? Cause he'd never coordinated those muscles before. He'd never used them before. Can I tell you, once he submitted to working out, within a month, he like tripled his weight. He tripled his max weight. He just had to coordinate those muscles. And I kind of feel like as that story just dropped my spirit, I feel like that's maybe a good analogy for a lot of us in this room. That we're just now starting to hit the weight room 
Pentecost Sunday was last Sunday. Guess what? That was just the beginning of hitting the weight room a whole lot more. That wasn't an isolated event and we're going to wait till next year to have Pentecost Sunday do that again. No, we're going to work out our salvation and we're going to work out this gift of the Holy Spirit that God has given us. And so with that, I feel like there's going to be a rapid increase in some of us. You're already fit. You're already buff. You just didn't know how to use your muscles. And once you do this a few times, it's going to be like, oh my gosh, this gift of the Spirit is an incredible thing. And it's going to propel your maturity in the Lord. Does the gift of the Holy Spirit make you mature? No, but it equips you to become mature very quick. I guess I'm trying to relate to you. Has anyone here ever seen like a born-again Christian and they were on fire for the Lord and a year later they weren't going to church anymore and they kind of just fizzled away? And who here has ever seen somebody who was an on-fire Christian and within weeks and months they were now serving and leading in the church and now they just are, they've grown so fast and they never turn their back from the Lord, right? It's both. You can't say that one did it better than the other. It's just this idea that they worked themselves out. I feel like there's an opportunity for us to walk in the spirit. So maybe I'll get to where I was hoping to start off with. Romans chapter eight, verse one. It says this, this idea of walking in the spirit. That's what I wanna talk about today. You can receive the gift of the spirit, but are you walking in the spirit? Romans 8, one, I've probably quoted, I'm guessing hundreds of times in my life. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I've left right at that comma. That's where I've normally quote that verse. From this pulpit, counseling to myself, I say it all the time. When I feel condemned, nope, I'm not condemned because God's word says there's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and I'm in Christ Jesus, so I'm not condemned. And yet I still struggled with condemnation. And I felt like the Holy Spirit this week said, did you read the rest of the verse, Ryan? There's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, right? Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Meaning you can be saved, you can be in Christ, but if you're not walking according to the spirit, you deal with shame and guilt all the time. You're walking under condemnation. Even though God in heaven looks at you and sees the righteousness of Jesus. God in heaven no longer is condemning you. And yet you have these mind that keeps thinking condemning thoughts. Where's that coming from? Not from the spirit of God. Right? I, one of the terms for Satan is, right? He's the accuser of the brethren. He brings condemnation. He tells you you are not worthy. He tells you you're not good enough. He reminds you of all your past failures, right? The Holy Spirit, I love that. When you walk in step with the Holy Spirit, he doesn't condemn you, but he will be truthful to convict you of where you're wrong. And there's a very big difference. I remember when I first, I think I was the youth pastor, and I just started preaching for the first few times up on the stage, and man, I was talk, I'm still nervous to get up here, but I was very nervous to be up here. And I remember one time I, I shared that, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit slaps me. And I remember as I said that, I saw people that were kind of like, are you sure? And several elderly people afterwards said, Ryan, you shouldn't say that. Holy Spirit doesn't slap you. And I was like, well, I don't know what kind of relationship you have with the Lord, but for me, it feels like a slap sometimes. It's like, I'm going this direction. He's like, Whoosh, and he just slaps like, Ryan, what are you doing? And thank God he did. And I didn't stay in that place like, oh, poor me. And I'm just, oh, why you're such an abusive God. No, I, in the moment, I, I wake up, whoa, what was I thinking? What was I doing? Thank you, God, for slapping me. And then I, I love that the Holy Spirit, he empowers me to walk in the opposite direction. 
It's not me trying to fight these thoughts all by myself. When I have the Holy Spirit in me and I'm walking in the Spirit, a thought can come into my mind that's filled with condemnation and it's not in my own strength that I'm saying, I'm not going to think that thought. I'm not going to think that thought. I'm not going to think that thought. Actually, it's the Holy Spirit. I say, Holy Spirit, would you tell me who I really am? And then I start saying, oh no, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm a child of God. I'm set free. Man, I've said it more times than anybody else probably alive. I'm God's favorite. And I start saying what God says about me. I'm not trying not to be condemned. I'm saying what the Holy Spirit is saying. I don't know if I'm making sense. Instead of just trying to come against the enemy, I'm actually walking in step with the Holy Spirit. And there's a difference. I can be saved and struggling in so many areas of my life. Whereas if I just walked in step with the Spirit, I'm not struggling with those things. There's a difference. And I wish I could teach it all, but I am still learning it. And I wish I had time to explain it a whole lot more this morning, but we got five minutes. But what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? I would love for you to do your own homework instead of me just spoon-feeding you. Romans chapter 8 is an incredible chapter. It's one of my favorite. I know I have a lot of favorites, but I promise you, if you look at my Bible, it probably has more verses underlined in Romans chapter 8 than any other chapter in the Bible. It really is one of my favorites. And yet, as I was thinking these couple weeks, I was like, I can't preach it yet. Even though I've read that chapter maybe more than any other chapter, I feel like I've only scratched the surface. And I feel like I'm, and I don't mean this in a condemning way. I know it's not the condemning enemy. It's the Holy Spirit saying, Ryan, get a few more things under your belt before you teach that. I was like, okay, I'll wait, I'll wait. Romans chapter eight, over and over and over again. Walk in the spirit, don't walk in the flesh, walk in the spirit. A demonstration of that today was my wife being obedient to say, all right, let's do ministry time. That was just obedience. Can I go back? I know I'm doing a lot of rabbit trails. Let me bring one of them back. I said, I've never been slain in the spirit or fell completely over in the power of God. But can I tell you, there's no way I can count how many times I have chosen in my own will to kneel and then lay on the ground. And as I laid on the ground, the power of God and the presence of God came over me in an incredible way. It happened this morning. I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm telling you as a testimony, it happened this morning. I didn't feel the power and presence of God and I just fell on my face. No, I just heard those words that we were singing. It says, all the elders and the saints and with angels, they're bowing before you. said, yeah, I just want to physically represent that is my heart's posture, God. And so in my own will, I chose to kneel. And as I kneeled, I had a small little tug say, just go all the way down. Like, okay, no inhibitions, I'll lay down. And can I tell you, even when I did, that thought came into my mind again. I'm all the way in the front. People can see me. People are thinking I'm trying to conjure something. Those thoughts go through my mind. I just, I'm trying to relate to in a way that I want us to grow together. I want us to walk in step with the Spirit together as much as we can because there is a unity in the Spirit. And I feel and sense that God is doing something in this church where we've got to keep in step with each other. We can't say, oh, they're, they're in the flesh. They're doing something crazy over there. Can you trust leadership that if someone is in the flesh, we'll go address it. We'll go talk to them in a loving way, right? Oh man, I have so many things in my mind. All right, just to give you one more verse, so it's not just Romans 8, Galatians 5.25 says this, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. 
If you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then why don't you live in it, walk in it? Make it happen in every day, every area of your life. It's not just for a moment. The Holy Spirit comes upon you as we sing that song. Come rest on us for the purpose of carrying your presence and goodness everywhere we go. If you live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. I don't have a slide for it, but let me read it to you in the, in the Message Bible. Since this is the kind of life we have chosen, the life of the Spirit, let us make sure that we do not just hold it as an idea in our heads or a sentiment in our hearts, but work out its implications in every detail of our lives. That means we will not compare ourselves with each other as if one of us were better and another worse. I feel like this is getting my heart this morning. Let us work it out. If we've received the gift of the Holy Spirit, man, let's start working it out. And let us not compare ourselves. Oh, well, they, they've got more Holy Spirit than I do, or they got less than I do. There is no judging. There is no comparing. It's just, I'm excited that I got something. I want you to have it too. Hmm. <laughs> All right, let's have the worship team come up. It's, it's 12. I got to try to figure out how to land this plane. Hmm. I'm just going to ask the simple question that I think I ask almost every Sunday. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Because I kind of hit a couple verses in my sermon. But I pray that there was something that was said to you that resonates. That it wasn't just the pastor sharing his thoughts and ideas. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Are you effectively walking in the Spirit? We already had a ministry time where there was an opportunity to come and lay something on the altar. Maybe that needs to happen again. Maybe just another opportunity. Or maybe there were some people who came forward and just said, I just want more. I, I got a whole lot on, on Pentecost Sunday, but this is a new Sunday. I just want more. Maybe it's learning to love each other and to say, God, forgive me for having a spirit of fear and a fear of man rather than of love, power, and a sound mind. Hmm. Hold on, I'm going to find it because I feel like I'm supposed to say this. Hmm. Well, that's a good one too. I'll say this as I'm finding the other one. As the pastor, I will not allow us to grow in our gifts without growing in our love for one another. Let me find it. It's in here somewhere. Hmm. All right. Hmm. All right, I can't find it. I wrote something I wanted to read, but I can't find it. I'll paraphrase. In fact, I'll just make it a declaration. Hmm. Actually, would you, just, would you close your eyes?
And in a sense, I'm praying and declaring things. And would you just declare this, if you agree with me, declare it in your own mind, in your own heart, in your own mouth. Spirit of fear, you have no control in me any longer. You religious spirits, you will be found out and you will be removed. I will be led by the spirit, not by my flesh, not by my fears. I will not live under condemnation. I will live under the leading and guiding direction of the Holy Spirit. As many as are led by the spirit of God, these are sons and daughters of God. And I declare today that I am a child of God. I will be led by the spirit in a church service, in my own home, in my relationships, in my workplace, in the marketplace, everywhere I go, I will learn to be like Jesus, to demonstrate the love of God and compassion to those that are lost, to rightly divide the word of truth. Holy Spirit, would you give me a hunger that I would rightly divide like Timothy, like Jesus himself, I would study and show myself approved. Lord, that I would be in no way intimidated, ashamed of walking in the Spirit, that I will express the gifts of the Spirit boldly. I will, like Paul said, I will sing in the Spirit, I'll sing with my native tongue. I will pray in my native language and I will pray in a heavenly language. I will not allow intimidation or shame to hinder the flow of the Holy Spirit any longer. Holy Spirit, you are the Lord of this church. Holy Spirit, you are the Lord of my life. And where the Spirit is Lord, there is freedom. So we declare freedom reigns in this place. The love of God reigns in this place. The love of God is free to flow to the depths of my being, to the heights of my understanding that the love of God would be shed abroad in my heart, that I would feel the arms of God wrap around me. God, I long for more encounters with you. In my mind, all by myself, reading your word, where Holy Spirit, you reveal a truth I didn't see before. God, I long for more encounters with you where they are deep and meaningful and moving and earth shattering, that they alter the course of my life. God, I didn't testify that I've never had an encounter where I've been slain in the Spirit to say that I'm going to keep that record up. I gave that testimony today because it's coming. There will be a day that this pastor is going to fall recklessly under the power of God with no shame, with no guilt, with no fear of what's going to happen to the rest of the service. God, you are in control. You are the great shepherd. You will lead us to green pastures. You will lead us through the valleys, God, when there's going to be accusations and people offended and people who refuse to believe. But God, we will love them anyways. We will share kindness and gentleness and we will pray for those who come against us. God, a spirit of love and kindness will rule and reign in this place. So God, we thank you. Come, come rest on us. Come have your way. We yield and submit to you in Jesus' mighty name.
Amen. Would you stand with me? We always, we always close our service singing one last song, and then you're dismissed. But would you just enjoy the presence of God? Just declare to God who, why you love him, how you're going to serve him, how you're going to follow him. Just have your own enjoyment of your relationship with God as we sing this song.